can't get enough of football? Chance, goal, superhuman, special, special goal. Incredible, just incredible. Now you can get the inside look. Welcome to Football Insiders, your home for informed, insightful and independent opinion, news and talk on football from the team behind Fair Play Publishing and the Football Writers Festival. Oh, what an introduction. Welcome to Football Insiders, the podcast home of Fair Play Publishing and the Football Writers Festival. And today we've got something really fascinating and in fact inspiring for you. It is the session from the Football Writers Festival with Craig Foster speaking with Michael Caine. These podcasts are brought to you, as was the Football Writers Festival, brought to you with the help of the Johnny Warren Football Foundation, Synergy Sports, Football Nation Radio, of course, Fair Play Publishing, and the live stream was provided on the days by Streamgate. But without any further ado, um, I'll hand over to Michael Kane and Foz, uh, who have a fascinating discussion that um, took up the the spot in a, a, a program that can sometimes be a bit of a dead one just immediately after lunch, but this is anything but. Enjoy it. This next um, session is a – I've been looking forward to it for a while since Benita mentioned that um, I'm going to do a one-on-one with Craig Foster because, you know, I've, I've watched him for a long time. He's um, – Everyone that's watched SBS you know, knows, obviously, Craig, you know, Les, Johnny. Um, so he's certainly been, you know, part of my life because I haven't been a journalist um, all my life. In fact, I was a carpet layer for 20 years um, from the age of 15 to the age of 35 um, before I even touched a computer. Uh, so it was a, a big jump. It was a big leap of faith for me to become a journalist in the last 10 years. Um I think I've done all right. Uh, but one thing in regards to what we're about, going to talk about is the next phase of life in regards to a career because a lot of people, and especially this is going to be important even for a few people in this room in regards to where we're going, where the media landscape is going. And, um, you know, we've got the tools of the trade, but sadly the media industry is a rocky road at the moment, and sometimes you probably need these these tools to maybe get to the next phase, the next career, a career that you probably didn't even know was around, um, and probably still you're sitting there, and maybe in five years' time it'll hit you in the face. Um, so changing tact in a, in a career in life, it's dawning, jumping into the unknown um, is a risk, and transition can be tough, but for some it does come naturally, or does it? Uh, when Craig Foster, multi-award-winning sports broadcaster decided to campaign on behalf of Bahraini footballer Hakeem Al-Arabi. Little did he know that it was the start of a bigger picture, a new career, and he's taken to it like messy door football. Ducked water was just too too predictable, wasn't it? Uh, Football unites in so many ways um, all over the world, and Craig's passion for football has helped him realise that he's been in a university without knowing it, the University of Football. College of football, organize, organization of football, whatever you call it. Um, and it's given him a skill set that's taken him onto a new chapter. Let's have a talk about that new chapter. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Foster. Thank you for the invitation, everyone. Hello to familiar faces and uh, particularly to uh, our champion players. I understand the Birch is here. Is the Birch here? 
Um, Andy Bernal was here and uh, Dave Mitchell, lovely to see you, and uh, some former teammates of mine, journos and, and many faces that it's lovely to see again. So thank you. I wanted to say well done to uh, Benita and all the guys. Here's the birch. Hello, buddy. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, he, uh, one of our, was he the first player to play in, uh, to play in, uh, in La, La Liga? Yeah. First player, huh? Sporting Dijon, who were top five at the time. Yeah. Um, about six, seven Celta Vigo, Valencia, Sepultura, La Coruña, Amazing. Barcelona, Real Madrid. Um, Great trip, huh? At, at that age, mm. you know, it's, it's, Extraordinary. I look back now and, and it's a feat. Mm, yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you are. We're very proud of you. And Mitch, of course, played for some great clubs, I think, in Scotland and including Chelsea as well. Mitch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one was one of our <laughs> was one of our uh, quiet achievers, one of our um, our great pioneers, along with that you know fabulous generation. And of course, hello to Francis and uh, anyone anyone uh, who I've missed. Uh, I wanted to just mention the guys here for putting this on as well, uh, Bonita and your team. Um, you know, the game doesn't do enough of this. You know, I think it's really, really important. In fact, a couple of years ago, we were talking about you know the media and communication side of. Um, FFA and uh, indeed at state level and um, and I, I kind of thought and think that the game needs to move past just this concept of you know telling telling stories about what's happening or this, what's happening with the Socceroos and Matildas and Matildas popularity is magnificent but actually the job for the game is to to tell our historical story the job for the game is to own who we are and what we are. We still don't own that. Uh, and the job for the game is to become embedded in our national Australian culture. So I would love to see a department of football culture rather than media and communications. All right, I'll give you an example. Uh, a few years ago, I used to get upset. I don't any longer. I'm getting older. But when I would see uh, shows on Channel 10 or show on Channel 9, you know, uh, big audiences speaking to a, a section of Australia that football, you know, want it, we want to speak to and we want to tell our story to. And then I would see other games being part of, let's say, um, Home and Away or something of that nature. Right? Uh, and it would happen regularly, you know, and, and what that says to everyone in the country is that, you know, these games are a part of daily life. They're embedded into the very fabric of what it means to be Australian, right? And I always thought that was our job because we are Australian. We are Australia, but we, we're not in those fora. We're not, you know, when, when these things come up, whether it's at a diplomatic government level or, in fact, at that cultural level, right, art uh, and uh, music, and, uh, uh, you know, literary festivals like this, you know, the top ones in the country, that's where we need to be uh, as a game. 
So I'd love to see us start to kind of get on that path of thinking in the next couple of years. I think the timing is good for that, you know, as well. Some other sports, I think, are having big challenges at the moment. Uh, and so, you know, I would like to see FFA kind of change the thinking a little bit in that way. So well done, you guys, because these things are very, very rare in our game today. Very well said. Just before we get into the nitty-gritty, um, yeah, being a, a former footballer, um, and a lot of writers, football writers in this audience. Um, who was your favourite football writer? Who, who probably gave you the best raps? Ray Gat, maybe. Um, I don't know, but I always respected the old guys. You know, when we were coming up, um, you know, they were really prominent then. You know, and and the game's having a lot of challenges at the moment in keeping the media alive and. One of the reasons I think that is is because of our sensitivity and our kind of, you know, we I said to someone outside, we're the biggest game in the country, but we so often act like the smallest, mm. you know. Yeah. And and what's happened in recent years, sadly, and I was inside the media and now outside, so I could see it in and I see it more in focus in, in the last year or two, uh, is that, you know, anything which is seen as not complementary, or in line with, uh, you know, the, the dogma, uh, shouldn't be there. And so people who were, who were going to spark a debate or a conversation that in my, in my view, the game needs, because that's, that's the daily diet that we have as football people, uh, were shut down in recent years, you know, and, uh, and I must say a good friend of mine who I recently spent some time with, Simon Hill is here and, uh, and you know, a lot of great, uh, writers and, and, uh, conversationalists and debaters and, and critics and, uh, provocateurs, uh, are no longer in the game. And the, the reality is because the game as yet is not capable of having those discussions. Mm. And it's extraordinary when you think about it. It's obvious that because of the history of the game, you know, boom and bust and so on and, and, uh, and we'll talk about some of the social issues in a moment because it's the same issue, right? Yeah. Uh, we have to be, in my view, the best thing that football can do, and we must do it because it's who we are, but is be really strong on some really important social issues. But the game acts like an infant by saying, oh, we don't want to upset someone. We don't want to upset a small section of the fans and we don't want to upset the government. We've got more people playing the game than anyone else in the country and we don't – you know, that, that's how the game kind of works. And I think we have to turn that around. You know, if we, if we put ourselves in a different position as a game in Australia, just say, let's just imagine for the moment that actually we were, you know, we, we, we were the largest in a commercial sense, you know, mm -hmm. would we be so sensitive? Would we, uh, you know, would we be so concerned to be who we are? Uh, clearly we wouldn't. And so I, I think it's a, it's a, an error. I really think it's a big error for the game that we keep saying that, you know, this person here is going to write this piece and, you know, that's going to make us all look bad, right? It's, it's just stupid. You need to, it was, it's a bit like the fans. I mean, you know, we, um, our Western Sydney Wanderers, uh, you know, one of the first, Sydney FC did a great job. The Melbourne Victory were doing an outstanding job with their fans down there, you know, and we shut them down. Yeah, <laughs> we shut yeah, them down. Yeah, I mean, how can you shut the fans yeah. down? And also too oh, with, with the and also too with the media as well. I mean, uh, coming from um, Channel Ten, I I put in my notice about six weeks ago. Uh, I just had enough um, because trying to get uh, football on the news is just like pulling teeth because all they want to do is NRL and AFL 
and I just had simply had enough and walked away and I haven't regretted the decision. It's been great. Um, but equally, I, that's true, And but equally, you know, we have to look at ourselves and say, uh, you know, ha- are we doing the best job possible to tell our story to the country and to enable a football, you know, like what is a football culture? What is an Australian football culture? That I mean, do we have the answer to that? Well, we've been here for a long time, so if we don't have the answer to that, you know, we're not doing that well. Yep. So we, that's what we have to answer. I mean, what is it, yep. you know? And of course we know it's our diversity. Of course, I mean, this was a brilliant presentation here. I mean, how wonderful is that? Milan Ivanovic and, you know, Zelko Adji, I mean, what's, what a player. Yeah. You know, we've got an extraordinary story to tell, um, but some of that story is challenging and we have to own that. Because Australia is challenged in many ways. I mean, I'm fighting for asylum seekers and refugees. She's got big challenges there, and it's wrong what we're doing. So, you know, we have to step up in front of Australia as a game and say, this is what we are. This is the extraordinary contribution we've made to Australia. And there's been some stuff ups along the way because there has been in the country as well. Uh, And when we do that and when we let people speak, and I'm talking about players as well, so to your point, Channel 10, you know, we've also taken the personalities out of the players. Like, where are they? Mm. Uh, so, you know, we the the idea was, you know, I, I don't know if it's like over corporatization or what it is, but we never accepted this reality that football is a game of passion and it's a game of disagreement and it's a game of debate uh, and it's a game of argument, and mm. that's why it's different. You know, we don't all have to be aligned every day because we're aligned in our love for the game. That's all we have to be aligned in. Don't worry about the rest. In fact, we shouldn't be aligned in the rest, right? That's how you drive a media culture. But you have to let people write about that, write about the different aspects. And so we've shut down our own game at the very time when we most needed the media. It's quite absolutely, extraordinary. Absolutely. Now, we're going to talk about another challenge that you went through. I'm going to um, read an excerpt from the uh, from Fighting for Hakeem. Hakeem was let out. He stopped and turned back to us. Please tell my wife I love her. Please tell her to keep fighting for me, he said. My chest tightened. We will, mate. We will. Don't worry. Be strong, I said. With, with a brief nod, he turned and was let out by the guards. Um, it was a powerful book, a powerful situation. Just reading that, um, I don't know. What I suppose everybody in, in in our heads thinks: How would we be in in Hakim's situation at the time? You must have been just as frightened, I suppose. Um, well, I didn't know you were going to read those quotes out, but um, the thing is, you know, so we can talk about that story all day, right? Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, I'd like to acknowledge in here. I mean, uh, you know, there's a, a number of people that reached out early in there because I didn't even know what was happening on. But there was at least two in the room here who got in touch with me. I know the PFA did as well, but uh, Elia and Bonita were two of the ones who got in touch with me and said, listen, you need to be across this, right? And um, so, look, my question is this. Okay, it was, a, it was a good campaign. It was a strong campaign. You know, we and, and uh, almost all of Australian football supported it, Um so what have we actually done with it as a game? That's the question, hmm. right? Yeah. Um, because the reason that we felt strongly about him is because he's one of us. And, and I'm actually going to, you know, a lot of fora at the moment that I perhaps didn't before. And 
And more and more I realise, like I knew the gift of diversity that football gave us, you know, and I was teammates with, you know, Francis is up here talking about Black Lives Matter, right? And so for us, you know, multiculturalism was not a term or a concept. It's just, it's just life. Hmm. And I would often say, you know, if you come around to our barbecues at house, you know, when we had Les there and everyone, you know, it's just like, is everyone, you know? Uh, and if you actually went around and asked people where they're from, you know, it's every religion, every race, every color. It's yeah. just, it's yeah. just us. Yeah. And so it was the perfect campaign for football. But are we telling that story to the country as a game? You know, so mm. my purpose to come here today and accept the invitation is not to come and tell you what a great campaign I ran. Mm. It's to come here and say, okay, well, that's interesting. <laughs> that was good. How do we, what, you know, what does that mean to us as a game? Why did Australia get on board with that campaign? Why was I able to get Steve Hooker and all the Olympians on? Why were we able to get the AOC and, and everyone else on? That's actually the secret to the game. That campaign is football. And then afterwards we say, we don't want to say too much about refugees or asylum seekers because that's a bit political and it's a bit sensitive. Mm. And I but, keep saying, but hang on a minute, sorry. No, you're right. <laughs> sorry. Go on. Let our Lucy fell, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but the thing is, you know, what, what I'm trying to say to Australia is that's our family. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, I'm in football. And so when I talk about the gift, I sometimes say now in various forms, I say, look, I am only starting to really understand how normalised it is for us in football. And, yes, I spent 18 years at a multicultural network. Mm. But that started in football. I'm only realising when I walk in a different fora and talk to you about multiculturalism, like what we actually live every day. Like, you know, and I walk into these rooms and go, wow, you know, yeah. where is this actually part of Australia? Yeah. So what, what we exist here in this room is, is, is extraordinary and it's unbelievable for Australia. But what we do as a game is we say that we're multicultural and we tell everyone, but it has no meaning to them. It has no meaning to them. Mm. It has meaning to us. But in order to tell that story properly, we actually have to do something for these people and not just provide a pair of boots and give them a, a game. Okay. Because what we do is we say, oh, we've got South Sudanese playing. We've got, oh, that's true. But what happened when the South Sudanese get attacked publicly? Yeah. What about when their whole community is demonized? Did we say anything? We don't say anything. Other sports can say things and they might have three players. Like we have whole, yeah, we have whole communities. Yeah, and so I go into those communities, and and the you know the feeling and the the you know the collective kind of love is is very high because I come from SBS and they know that I'm with them because I'm also in football. Yeah, that's what the game, in my view, needs to live up to, and I I believe very strongly that when we live up to that, you're going to see football really reach its potential. Now, that's a term that we all use many times, but we thought the game thought it was about numbers. The game thought that the more numbers, the more success would follow. We know that we now know that's not true, right? Everyone gets that now, right? We've got two million players. We're still at, you know, we've come some way in the last 15 years, yes, but we still have the same challenges. And it's not, it, it is not a correlation. We could have five million players and it's still not that. We have to be embedded in the Australian consciousness. That's how you that's how you become something. The, the 05 game was a moment, right? Mm. But we don't need only on-field moments. We actually are off-field moments. Football is like more about than the game. And what we turned it into, in my view, is just the game. 
We forgot that football is, you know, me, Les, you, Fran, everyone sitting around and, uh, and, and, you know, being one through the game, even though we're so diverse. And we haven't captured it. We haven't captured it. It was, a, it was the um, getting uh, Hakeem to freedom. It was the most successful you know, social media campaign um, in, the, in Australian history. It trended in 81 countries, reaching over 30 million people. People power is a, a, a real powerful thing, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's um, and it's well, you know, it's really necessary at the moment because you know we've got some really big, uh, really big challenges. We've got challenges here, and we've got challenges globally. Um, um, but again, you know, um, what I would say is, you know, we we talked for many years about the numbers of people that we have within the game, right, and. You know, what we could do as a game in this country in, in terms of contributing to the social fabric of the country is what I would like to challenge the game to consider, okay? Um, and we are just continue to talk about some of our metrics, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, and Matildas are incredibly popular, which is wonderful. Um, and we're doing some really great things in, in gender equality. That is important. Um, but we're not talking about the rest. We're not talking about the rest. And so, you know, if we, you know, like I don't understand what Australian football actually stands for. I, I don't know. You might be able to answer that. I, I don't know what it's what we stand for on a social level. What do we stand for on a social level? So what the research says, and this is interesting for football, I think, because we know the A-League and W-League, the fan base is, is quite young. Right, so I think it's under 26 mm. or so on. Mm. I certainly used to be anyway. Um, one of the experts in the room could, could correct me. But uh, much of the research is saying that this next generation of millennials and so on, they see, they, they have no separation between themselves and what they perceive to be their values and their work environment or their sport. And therefore, it has to all align. And so, you know, the new generation, which I think is wonderful, they're saying, listen, I'm not going to work for this company over here that's destroying the climate or is destroying the environment or is doing this stuff in the supply chain. Well, I'm not going there. I'd rather go over here and do this. This is unbelievable. Uh, and within that context, they want to support things that mean something. I mean, why, we did uh, the 15 year anniversary on the weekend and, um, uh, of, you know, 05, and, and I watched it a little bit on social media just the other day, which I don't often do, but I saw... Uh, Simon laughing, and we had a we had a really great time. Just staying on this, um, Simon is in the audience. Uh, yeah. Yeah, can we can we see a reenactment later with, between uh, the Perrys? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Simon wouldn't allow it. Wouldn't allow it. But um, um, and so uh, you know, what about Johnny? So wh why do we still talk about Johnny today? Why? Like, what is it? You know, what 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 was special about Johnny Warren? Because he embraced diversity. He embraced diversity because he he he, he stood for, for something. He fought for it. He stood for something. He stood for the game, but he stood for everyone in the game. Okay. And he asked for, and he was strong, and he and he and he wanted the best for the game. Okay. There's a lot of reasons. Don't keep shouting out all the reasons. I know there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> but the thing about the point is um, that. That's why we still remember him and we remember his birthday and so on is because he stood for something and people resonate with that. So what do we stand for as a game? That's what I'm asking today. 
okay? Because I know these guys are streaming and whatever, and I don't say much in the game anymore, so I think it's a good opportunity to just ask, what do we actually stand for in the game? What are we saying to Australia, this is what we are about and we will fight for it and we will stand for it strong and don't push us around because you're not going to get anywhere. And in those moments, we can unite, right? And it's not, I'm not talking about against other sports. That was always a big focus, right? That was always a big focus. That shouldn't be the focus because that's a small focus, right? We're a big game. We're the biggest game in the country. So that's like a small, you know, that's wrong. Don't worry about it. What is it? What do we stand for for Australia? When we work that out, you can't stop the game because people will believe in you. People will believe in something. And I'm telling you the research says they want to believe in something, okay? And it can hurt. It can cost, right? Standing for this stuff, it costs. It's not, it's not easy. Mm. Um, but the more people in the game who are committed to that, I think you will see a very significant change. I'll give you an example. There's a club in Ireland. I, I don't, I know nothing about them. I just saw them on social media, but they're called Bohemians, apparently. Anyway, it was interesting last week that they got with Amnesty in, um, in Ireland and they put refugees welcome on their shirt. And, uh, a bit like what Barca did with UNICEF and so on. Mm. Okay. Um, but refugees welcome is, uh, I think is, is a lot more brave. Right? And that shirt is now sold out. It's sold in 40 countries and recently FIFA EA sports game put them on the game with the shirt. Now, why did they put them on the game with the shirt? Is because people are resonating with a purpose behind that. I, I'm not sure of any of our clubs in Australia who are doing anything of the type. You know, Richmond FC is in AFL and they won, did they win their third flag or something like this? Um, they won a, a number of titles in recent years, right? And uh, they have a guy, CEO, uh, who's a, I think is a, a very good human. His name is Brandon Gale. He used to run the uh, AFL Players Association. That's why I know him. And, uh, and um, he, uh, you know, they, they supported the Uluru Statement. They are a signatories to the UN Sport for Climate Action Framework. They're going to speak up when something happens to, you know, perhaps the Sudanese community because a good friend of mine, Akek Makur Chawat, uh, the South Sudanese player plays for their uh, AFLW side. And they're winning. And, uh, you know, and, and I love what they're doing. But really, my sadness is that's us. Mm. That's us. Okay, sadness is the wrong word, okay, because I congratulate them what they're doing. I'm just saying, uh, you know, for, for as, a, as, a, as a football person, um, that's us. That is us. And, uh, and we're not, we're not, we're nowhere near it. You've really embraced being a, a human rights activist. I mean, is this? Um, it's almost like a a new lease of lease of life for you, really. Uh, after being a a footballer to a broadcaster to this, it's almost like. Do you feel that football? You know, even working at SBS with all those different cultures in that room, in that in that building, it sort of built you to this point where you are in that position to to be where you are right now, and that's and that's to help. Um, well, everything that we've been given as ex-players comes from the game, okay? And, yes, we work hard for it, but the game was built by everyone that came before us. This is another disappointment I have with the game at the moment, okay? <laughs> Sorry they were not just having a lovely discussion about the book. <laughs> That's all right. That's totally fine. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I think in, in my personal view these issues are important. But what we're doing again at the moment is we're feeding the anxiety of the football community by saying everything else was rubbish and we have to restart everything again. 
We don't have to restart everything again because we already had you know, 150 years before. So every like 10 years, we have to do a reset. No wonder the, the you know the football community as a game, as a you know, as anxiety. It's like that was just all complete rubbish, and now we just need a whole nother plan again. Really? I mean, you know, all the game needs to do is be capable of saying, we don't agree with that. I don't agree with that, and, and you all know that I'm more than happy to do that. Um, however, you know what? These things, let's have a debate about, but let's just keep moving. And by the way, you know, some of these guys did a good job, but we think we need to add this. You know, I, I, I just think the game at some point has to, you know, get past that. And, uh, I, you know, I, in my view, I see it all as part of the same problem, you know, and I'd like to see us, and perhaps because I'm a little bit on the outside now, I'm in a position to see that better than ever. And, uh, you know, and I really think we could make some really important steps in the next couple of years and, and make a huge leap forward. What, what type of a, an FFA board member would you have made? Oh, shit one. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been quite volatile meetings, I take. Well, yeah, that, and that could be right. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, and that's what need, what's needed? Well, look, I, I sit on many boards, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm joking in part. But, um, but, um, but were you frustrated at the time that, you know, I mean, it, it was a real shift in your career. Do you, um, I think Mike Tomolaris mentioned it on social media. He said something about it's the first time I've seen Fozzie disappointed in the game and there's been a marked shift away from the game. Is, was he fair? Is that a fair um, point? No, not no, not away from the game. No, you, you can never go away from the game. Hmm. Um, uh, just, just the roles always change, you know, and, and we all contribute in different ways. Uh, and um, and so you know, throughout our life, it's all of us. It's, it's not just me; it's all of us. You know, we're all the same. So, um, you, you know, you contribute in ways that um, you think is is going to make a difference, uh, and we're all equally as passionate about you know seeing football do something. The difference with me is, I'm not only interested in football doing it for football, and I never was. That's why I, that's why I uh, resonated with working with Les and Johnny. Yeah. is because I was interested always in football doing something for the country. And I'm more interested in that now because I've, I've stepped outside of football and I'm doing those things socially and mm. I can see what the game is not doing. Yeah. And I sit on the Multicultural Council and, and I've got, you know, and all these programs are happening. And so in other words, the game, we're still stuck in a programmatic mindset. That is, we run some good multicultural programs and we do all this stuff. Okay. That's not it. That's not it. What it is is we are multicultural and that means that we have to raise our voice. We have to sometimes protect our own people and we have to protect the nature of Australia because that's what we are. They're our family. That, that shift is a big shift. And, uh, and, and I think arguably the last couple of years, what, you know, in terms of all of the, uh, Congress and governance change, I don't think has put us in a stronger position where I necessarily feel that we're closer to that realization of, uh, you know, a real genuine acceptance publicly of who we are because we're bloody fantastic. I mean, we are an incredible community and what we've done for the country is, is just staggering. But we can't just keep telling ourselves that. We can't just tell our own story inside our own mm. football community. Mm. That's not – that's – we actually owe Australia more. We owe the country to have our story, to tell our story properly about what we did to 
uh, for multiculturalism, as challenging as that was, because it is, and it still is today, and we're helping it every single day. We'll get some um, questions because of the, the cowbell rang as you as you heard. So if you want to um, make your way, and while while this is happening, and just um, uh, another another one close to your heart, Addy Road. Um, Plenty of Christmas hampers going out. Um, another one close to your heart that you, that you just love doing stuff for. Same communities, same communities. So to me, it's all about you know it comes out of football. So everything I do comes out of the the, the values that we believe in. So now I do, and I just use that in different fora. That might be a refugee kid who's in trouble. It might be the three hundred refugees who are offshore in their eighth year who we've been torturing as a country. Uh, it might be the 200 refugees who are stuck in hotels in Australia and Kangaroo Point and Mantra, and there's some up in Darwin who are actual refugees, right? They're like exactly all of our people that played football, and they're in their eighth year. Eighth year, right? Yep. And uh, they're locked up 23 hours a day in hotels. 23. That only leaves one hour. Yep. And they've lost their families. They've lost everything. They've lost wives and things have moved on. Some of them were so embarrassed when they were transferred to Manus Island. I found out last year when I went to Port Moresby. Some of them were so embarrassed. They still haven't told their families that they're actually stuck in Manus Island because they, you know, they could, they didn't, they couldn't say I'm incarcerated. I'm inside a cage. They actually couldn't, you know, personally, culturally. Uh, and they're still lying. And so, and so people have taken off. Family members have died, and like you can't even imagine what these what we've put these people through. We have, we have, you and I have. But because if you haven't signed a petition on it, or you haven't stood up and said something, you're part of it. As was I until a couple of years ago, and that's the reality. And so uh, they're our people. They're Sudanese. They're Syrian. They're Iranian. We played against them in '97 for Christ's sake, right? <laughs> I went to see them and I saw Beruz Bushani, who's the most famous one of them. He's a legendary person, a brilliant mind, journalist. And he's now in New Zealand because we wouldn't let him here. Anyway, I met him and da da da. Yeah, the first thing he said to me, did you play in the game in 97? <laughs> right? And so what happened is it's a gift. It's a gift, Michael, yeah. to be in our game because Amnesty said to me, you know, we've been going over for years and we maybe met one or two of these because they don't trust people. Because they don't trust people. Our country put them offshore. I go in and they go, did you play in that game? I said, yeah, I, yeah, sadly I played in that game. <laughs> and they go, oh, I was five years old, he said, when we when you played that game. And our little preschool or school, whatever, we stopped and we all watched and we all cheered for an hour afterwards, you know, thanks very much. And so <laughs> and so, what happened is, so he then gets on the phone and then he says, right, okay, and we have a bit of a chat, but that's, you know, we talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. That's when it counts. It doesn't count playing mm. for Australia. Yeah. The 29 caps is for me, my family, and for some people to feel good. That's where football counts. Yeah. When that person says to me, we've got a connection and let's go play. So I booked a little indoor venue and, and we got, he got 15 of his mates who are there in their seventh year, right? And they're so physically stuffed, they can hardly play and carry on and they're all coughing and rubbish. Yeah. And, uh, and we actually played football. And um, it was one of the best, it's it probably the best game I've played in my life. Right? Because you know they can bloody play. What do you think? They're Iranian, some of them. Yeah. Right? These unbelievable players. And they and you know what? And then you say, Oh, so buddy, yeah, you're a good player. And he goes, Oh yeah, I played for the province in Iran when I was 17 and I was in the junior national team of Iran. And yeah, so what I'm saying to you is they're our family. Even if and they don't even have to do that. They're Iranians. 
Okay, we've got them everywhere here. There'd be some in the room and they've got clubs here. And yet these poor dudes come and we say, get over there and football says nothing. Now, I, I two years ago, I was saying nothing. Okay? But I can see now that that's our job. That's actually our job as a game. That's what football is about. And if that's not a value of our game, then, you know, I don't know what is. It just proves that football does underpin so many things. Now, I have a question. If you want to just uh, mention. Uh, Greg Werner from the Grassroots Football Project and uh, co-author of the Encyclopedia of Matildas. Harkening back to your comment about um, telling our story, mm. um, you look at the broadcast media around the country now and it is filled with ex-players, uh, be they NRL, Rugby Union, AFL. They're there because they can speak to what is perceived as the broader Australian populace. They're rugby players who play cricket. They're likewise with the other sports. Are we too narrow in our focus as a game in that we talk to ourselves a lot mm -hmm. and ignore what is happening in the broader Australian populace? Mm -hmm. How do we then get our story into broadcast media without having players, uh, ex-players or mm -hmm. whatever, who have a broader experience of all those other sports because that has to be our first step in, surely. So that goes to the point I made at the start. Okay, so it's a great question. Um, first point I would say is we don't have to fabricate anything. So this is not marketing. Okay? No, so let's make no. that point because this is also going to go on the internet everywhere, right? So let's be just really clear on what we say. Uh, we're not talking here about fabricating something in order to try and sell ourselves to Australia. No. What we're talking about is the essence of the nature of what happened on the night in 2005. That's what we're talking about. What football actually does for integration, socialization of people and for every religion or nationality in the country, right? Communities come here, we engage through the game and so on. So what we contribute to the country. Okay. Um, so my answer to your question is that I would like to see not, um, you know, head of media and communications um, because what that means is we tell the same stories to the rest of the country as every other sport. But our stories are different. Our story is different. Does that make sense? So media and communications, you know, there's some fabulous people. I'm not talking about the people. I'm saying as a game. Um, the idea is, uh, you know, we follow the same template as everyone else. You know, they're professionals in that field, right? That's not us. We need head of culture. Why is because that's where we need to be. You need to be in all of those different fora and you, and we have to tell our story in all of those areas. Okay. So getting back away from that centralized point, I'm just speaking about say, 2GB, 2KOI, whatever. Mm -hmm. The people that they get into their sports programming, Sydney, Melbourne, yeah. Brisbane, they're all ex-players yes, yes, yes. and they're players of okay. experience in the broader Understand. sports sporting landscape Understand. within Australia. We are reliant upon guys like yourself mm -hmm. within that narrow focus that is the SBS world mm -hmm. to give our voice out. Mm -hmm. How do we get yeah. that into the broader broadcasting I landscape? question. Let me just expand on what I was saying before. So, for instance, what if I – well, if I understand correctly, what you're saying is it would be good for football to have people in those environments and what you're saying is true. So I go into a lot of environments now and speak and, and, and you know, in government for and so on, and it's very rarely someone there from football. 
Yeah? Correct. And in fact, the worst part is there's very rarely football. Okay, I see on the Australian Multicultural Council, and I can tell you that football is not in that conversation. Okay? And I've tried to bring football in that conversation, and even that's difficult. Okay? Yep. So, um, so we're not there. So how do we get there? So, so the answer is don't rely on Francis getting himself there. The head of culture, that's their job. Right? So that's strategy. So what is the, what is the strategy of Australian football at the moment to tell our story to brought to every Australian and, uh, to ensure that football has a voice in every important four in the country? Beautiful. Shouldn't that be the strategy? Yep. Right. What? It, where is it? Good question. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, do you, do you feel that? So in, that's that's the answer. Yeah, yeah. Just make that happen, in, and it can happen. Um, it can happen very easily. Just in regards to the, the way the game is at the moment, we have broadcast deals and all that sort of stuff. Um, do you feel that because? The sport is on the way in that regards, I suppose, in regards to the way people perceive it. And I know for a fact that there has been some networks where they have a PR company come in and tell them what to show. And they're saying, well, the A-League's on the way, you know, the basketball's great, NBA, Ben Simmons, it's hot. You feel that we need to have that, a real PR mark, uh, a PR mark, you know, campaign to, to turn it around to the, to the average person to get that mainstream back? Um, I think that we rely a lot on our players. So, uh, you know, and I'll say we, you know, as football. So we think that Matilda's being incredibly popular um, is going to translate into something, you know, something broader. And, um, and I think that's questionable. Yes, more girls are playing. Well, we already have massive numbers, so there's there's something missing. Would we agree there's something missing? Could we? I think we probably can all agree on that, mm-hmm. right? In terms of Australian culture, and that's where I see the issue, and the game hasn't confronted that um, for a number of reasons. Uh, firstly, because there's some challenges, and football is still sensitive about some of our history, despite the fact that it's the history of Australia, <laughs> um, and uh, which is odd, it's absurd, yeah. really, but. Yeah. Uh, it, it comes down to commercial and finance. The game has always been hungry for money and has always had this sense that, you know, uh, is a hand, really is a largely handout mentality, right? We, we know we need more government money here. We know government. And so we've never really been focused on this real concept of, you know, who, who really are we? What, what really are we? And what should be, this is the important question. What should be our contra, our social contribution to Australia? What should it be? What is it? Um, what is it? But as or more importantly, what's it going to be? Um, and I would suggest to you that given we are the multicultural game, given that every uh, nationality, religion uh, and uh, race is involved in our game in a greater diverse number than anything else, which is just the nature of who we are, um, that's a core principle. That's a core value of what we bring to Australia. And the second question to that is, what are we doing about it? Mm. And, and, and see, most of the conversations that happen in all sports, I think some of them are a bit, a bit smarter. They're a bit smarter than this, but anyway, um, is within the sport. So there's two conversations that we're having here. One is put a lot of people in the sport saying, yeah, let's, you know, can we, you know, it's, 
you know, what, what Craig's talking about, if we could do that, we can grow as a sport and just do a much more fabulous job. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying we, we, we have a responsibility to do it for the country. That's why I get frustrated when we don't do it. Are it's you, actually not, it's not even about us. It's actually about everyone else. It's you, about the communities who need our help. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you frustrated in, in 2005 when Aloisi hit the ball in the back of that net that at the time would you have thought further on to now that Australian football would be in this position after that penalty? It's like we're on this golden gravy train for a while and it's almost like we've, we're back to the start again. We're not back to the start. We're not back to the start, no. That's, that's, but I'm glad you said it because a lot of people will, will feel that way. Um, and that's one of, that's one of the issues, but it's easy to think we're back to the start because we're, we're, we're changing everything again. So of course that's natural to think that that's part of the problem in my view. You know, I think the game needs to kind of just say, look, step by step, uh, we can change these things and let's just keep building. But we really, I'd really love us to have a really significant look at these foundational issues now. And, um, and the game has forever just talked about its participation numbers and so on. And of course, they're really important because we're touching more Australians. We're helping more Australians to play and, and, and to play sport and to learn, you know, the beauty of the game. But it's not, it's nowhere near the most important thing. And I can tell you that as someone who played for the country. Okay. And, um, because when you're 26, you think that the most important thing in the world is pulling on the national jersey. Okay, because you, you, you spent, you know, like, uh, you know, 22 years, you know, working to do it. Um, but as you get older, we all get older, you realise that it's not the most important. It's not even close to being most important. The only important thing is what you do with that, right, and how you can help others through that mm. and not just the game. But the beauty of where we sit is that the more we help the game, the more we help Australia. That's an extraordinary place to be in. Not every sport can say that. In fact, you know, I, I, I'll be struggled to name another sport who could say that. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, you had a vacant look, but uh, no. <laughs> the most important thing. I'm tearing up. Yeah, no. The most, I'm just going to say it again, because the most important thing is not what we can do for football, but what football can do for the country. That's by far the most important thing. The world's in difficult place in many, many ways. We've got crazy dudes running stuff. We've got planetary issues. Got a whole heap of stuff. And we are the most numerous, important number one. We are the most diverse. That gives us a massive responsibility to do something, to do something. And when we do that happily we're going to be an incredible force for good in this country i'm going to finish with one last question i'm going to get craig to do it in one word answer if it actually happens it'll be a guinness book of records i asked mark viduki this and it was the most beautiful answer it was the last question i asked him um if you could be transported back in time it doesn't matter where it where it was or when whether it's a good moment or a bad moment something you could have fixed at the time, I don't know. It could be on the football field or what you're doing now. What would that moment be? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand exactly what you mean. If you could be, you know, go back in time, what, what's your favourite moment? It can be in football, life, anything. Um, I, I don't know. That's a difficult one. I'm not sure. I've had a lot. 
I've had a lot. So it would be difficult to single out, you know. I've been lucky because I was able to play, I was able to broadcast, you know, and, and, and know some legends of the game. And now I'm even more fortunate to be able to use that to genuinely help people. Um, but I'll tell you something, if the game would come along on that ride, um, you know, you'd be surprised what Australian football can do for Australia. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Craig Foster. So if that's not enough to get you away from your computer or your device and looking at Twitter all day, then nothing will be, quite frankly. Um, that was Foz at his absolutely inspirational and motivational best. And it's wonderful to see someone who has made the transition from player to part-time administrator to coach to getting a law degree, being a human rights activist and speaking so eloquently about why he's done what he's done and what football can offer to this country and and vice versa. So if you're interested in pursuing issues around culture um, that he very strongly spoke about, then there's no better way to start, frankly, than by reading a really good football book from Fair Play Publishing or any of the other publishers who are involved in this genre because all of those publishers and all of those writers and authors are trying to contribute to the rich history and culture of the game in this country. Without any further ado, thanks again to John, the Johnny Warren Football Foundation, Synergy Sports, Football Nation Radio, Fair Play Publishing and Streamgate for bringing us the Football Writers Festival in 2020. We'll be back next week with a fascin another fascinating discussion, this time um, on what we need to get out of 2023 in terms of legacy. Until then, be happy and stay safe. Thanks for listening to Football Insiders from the team behind Fair Play Publishing, home of the Football Writers Festival. Be the first to get inside access by subscribing. And to get more, head to fairplaypublishing.com.au.